It's a great day, man. Like, baptism Sundays. Like, that's what it's about. Right? Like, like, as somebody who has competition in their top three, and somebody who needs a scoreboard to see, are we winning? Am I, am I winning? As a church, do you know what our scoreboard is? It's that. It's lives being changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the work of the cross. And so I uh, just want to say, say thank you to Teen Challenge. Thank you. Thank you for letting us celebrate with you guys. And we know, we know you guys could, you guys could throw a party and you guys could be celebrated anywhere and you are everywhere you go. But thank you for allowing us to be a part of your celebration today. And, and Pastor Les and Chris, we honor you. Can we put our hands together and just honor <laughs> Pastor Les and Pastor Chris Beecham? Just such a, such an addition, such a, a valuable part of the body of Christ in Omaha, the, the big C church of Omaha. And I love that we can, we can gather together and it's not us versus them in this church against that church. We are all the church, just different expressions. And, uh, and thank you for, for joining us today and being a part of our expression of the body of Christ. Today, we're going to get into the word. Are you excited about that? Yeah. Amen. Hey, uh, so the last few weeks we've been talking about refocus, right? Like refocus is the word that God has given us for 2021. 20 into 2020 was like, keep moving forward. Yes, that sounds so good until COVID hits and then riots come and unrest is there. And then there's an election and it's like, God, what is your word for this year? Took us to 2 Corinthians chapter four and and told us that this is the most important thing Many things vying for our attention, voices that we are listening to and hearing. And, and, and God takes us to scripture. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'll just read it for you. He says, our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and lasts forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze, we refocus on the things that cannot be seen for the things that we can see now will soon be gone, but the things we can't see will last forever. So God, help us to refocus in 2021. Help us to set our eyes on you. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about that. I I told the more is in English, the word focus means to, to direct one's energy, attention, or efforts. The Latin word focus means fireplace. And how that if you've lost fire in an area of your life, it's because you've lost your focus. God, we need your fire. We we need you to to reignite some things within us. And so we've been asking questions. What what do I focus on? And we looked at Luke 10, the story of Mary and Martha, how that Martha is busy preparing a meal and doing all the things. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha gets upset and comes and says, Jesus, the best thing, and I won't take that from her. We need to refocus on his presence, his word, and his will. We said, well, why do we need to to refocus? Why is it so important? Because as three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, where you direct your focus literally affects every part of your being. It affects where I place my faith, that's my spirit. Every part of your being is affected by where you place your focus. Last week, we said, well, what is it not? Because I think every year we all have an idea of how to refocus. And this year is the year I'm going to blank. 
Right? We have resolutions and we have, we have these dreams and these wishes and these desires. And, and for we, we, we do good for a couple of weeks, but by February, all those resolutions and all of those plans and all of those wishes and desires are gone. So we said, well, what is it not? It's not trying really hard. It's not trading one distraction for another one. It's not a quick fix. It's not something that we can do on our own, but take courage because it's not impossible. And this morning, I want us to, to ask the question, how? How do I refocus? If you would, let's pray before we get into God's word. Lord, I pray that over the next few moments, you would help me to communicate clearly that which you have given me. I pray that you would anoint each and every one of us that's in here. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. God, we pray for revelation from you. Lord, these, these, these principles, these keys are probably not things that, that we've never heard before. We've probably heard this time and time again. But Lord, even as Pastor Dobie said, help us not to be hearers only, but to be doers and to be transformational. And that only comes through the application of your word. So may we be those good stewards. May we be those wise builders who build our house upon the firm foundation that is your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Me and Angel have four kids. If, if, if you're Dream City folk, you know that. We have, we have four kids. I love being a parent. I love my kids. My kids are incredible. They're awesome. Uh, but if you have kids, you know that there are, there are challenging times. Your kids. Mike and Billy taught that breakout session. I asked some people afterwards. I said, how did it go? And I heard the exact same thing. They said, well, well what did you learn? They said, well, they said that, that parenting, parenting is, is not hard, it just requires a lot of effort. Like it's not, it's not difficult, it's just a lot of work. Parenting is a lot of work. If you have kids, you know that. If you don't have kids, get ready. Because parenting is a lot of work. I love being a parent, but you know what I'm looking forward to more than being a parent is to train, you have to, to enforce, you have to, to be there. You're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are no days off when it comes to parenting, but when it comes to grandparenting, it's like all the sugar and none of the other stuff. As a grandparent, you get to feed them gummy bears for dinner and send them home. There's a grandparent who did that. And on the way home, there were gummy bears thrown up into a car seat. As a grandparent, you get to do those things. Why? Because you've invested time in your kids and now you get to reap the benefits of all that hard work that you've done. So I'm looking forward to being a grandparent. I'm looking forward to the day where, you know, like grandparents, you can just say whatever you want. Like grandparents, anything. That doesn't even make sense. Like what, what, what was that? Grandparents are always teaching lessons. The smallest little thing is going, to be, is going to be this life lesson to the grandkids. And it's like, that, that's not how that works. That's not. I'm thankful for my grandparents. I'm thankful for the lessons that I've learned from my grandparents. My grandpa in particular, I, I love him. Grandpa, if you're watching right now, you might want to just go ahead and get a cup of coffee. Um, skip forward maybe two minutes. But uh, my, grandpa, my grandpa, there, there are several very vivid memories that I have of my grandpa and lessons that my grandpa has taught me. I remember a time I was sitting in the drive-thru with him. He's driving, I'm a little kid in the back and we're ordering cheeseburgers. And I said, grandpa, can I get a cheeseburger and can you order it without onions? Now understand growing up in my mom's house, onions were straight from the pit of hell and they were of the devil. <laughs> I'm thankful that when I got married, I tasted and I saw that the Lord is good. 
right? Like as a kid, I couldn't eat onions. They weren't allowed in. She, if she smelled it on your breath, you were sleeping outside with the dogs. Like it wasn't going to happen. And so, so as a kid, we hated onions and we're going through the drive-thru. Grandpa, can I get a burger without onions? And he turned around and said, no. Really? Like, really? You're not going to? No special orders here? And so we go through, and he gets my burger with the onions, turns around, hands it to me, and he says, you will eat the onions. He says, I don't care what your mom says. You will eat the onions because the onions will keep cancer away. Thank you, Grandpa, for keeping me cancer-free at eight years old. I appreciate the lesson that I've learned, I, I, re, I remember there was a time we were driving through Las Vegas and, and he was driving. We were in our Ford Aerostar minivan. Did anybody have a Ford Aerostar minivan back in the mid-90s? That's what we rolled. That's how we rolled. We were, we were still looking for cans on the side of the road. And we were driving through Vegas. We were driving through Vegas and... And in the, the Aerostar minivans, in the back seat on the, on the left side, there were these buttons that you could control the radio from the back. He was driving, didn't know that, happened to, to move his hand. And as he moved his hand, my mom happened to hit the button. The radio station changed. My grandpa, in all of his wisdom, looks around and says, it's the electrical interference from all of the lights. And so the rest of us in the back are picking up on what's going on. And so... At one point, he moves his hand to, to motion to my grandma. When he moved his hand, my mom hit the button and the station changed. Now it's not the electrical interference, but now there's a biometric scanner in this 1993 Ford Aerostar minivan that when I move my hand across, it's a sensor. Touch screens haven't even been invented yet, but here's a sensor in an Aerostar. That allows, and he would move his hand. My mom would change the channel. He would move his hand. And my grandma's like, Rusty, that's not what's happening. Shelly, yes, it is. <laughs> and in that moment, I learned that the Aerostar was the Tesla of the 90s. Thank you, grandpa, for the lesson that I've learned. I remember one time we were driving, and, and it's just funny that every one of my memories with my grandpa are taking place in a vehicle. We were driving, and somebody cut him off, and he just gets so mad, he... he, he Slams on the horn, he says, there's just an idiot factory around here just pumping them out. <laughs> and in that moment, I learned that some people just can't help it. They're made that way. In a factory, nonetheless. There are many lessons that I've learned from my grandpa, but, but I'll never forget one day we were fishing. And my grandpa sat me down. He said, JJ, because that's what he calls me, JJ. I'm not even John Jr. I don't know where the second J comes from, but it's JJ. And he says, JJ, here's how, here's how to tie a fisherman's knot. You take the, take the line, you run it through the eye of the hook, you bring it around three or four times, you bring it back underneath, loop it through here, cinch it tight. That is a fisherman's knot. Now, I knew the what, I knew why you needed a knot. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew the fact that without a knot, you know, in, in my mind, I'm just like, let me just double knot it. If it works for my shoes, it'll work for the hook. But in that moment, he taught me how. And since then, I've learned the Palomar knot. I've learned different knots and different ways to attach hooks to lines. But, but I always find myself going back to the tried and the true grandpa farmer, fisherman's knot. And I find myself three loops under, through, and I'm done. Why? Because that's how I was taught 
to do it. When it comes to refocus, I think we understand the what. We understand why it's important. But I think, I think why it's so hard for many of us is that we've never really been taught how to refocus. How do I do, how do, I do that? How do I apply that to my life? Today, I'm not, we're not going to get into like pontificating the deeper things of God and, and, and all of the, the deep theological. Listen, all of God's word is inspired. And all of it is useful. All of it is profitable. And so today, they, these are going to be things that you've probably heard before. But if we would just apply God's word to our lives, it will be revolutionary in terms of how we raise our kids, how we, we look at our marriages, how we view our relationship with God. So if we're going to refocus, very simply, last week I told you I'm going to give you very practical keys today. I want, I want to give you something that today at the end of service you can leave and apply right away. If 2021 is going to be the year of refocus, if this is the year we direct our energy and our attention and our efforts, what do we do? What does that look like? Number one, the first key is to start every day with him. Start every day with him. How do you know the way you start a day kind of sets the tone for that day? Right? Like with those of you with kids, you know that when that morning is chaotic, the rest of the day can tend to be a little chaotic, Right? Like when you're getting ready to, to leave for church and you have that diaper explosion out the back and it doesn't contain, you know what I'm talking about. You got to run back in and hose them off real quick and then come back out. Like that's how we did it anyway. But, but when the morning starts that way, it could, just, it could just lead to a chaotic day. How you start the day sets the tone. We need to start every day with him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not telling you that you have to have a two-hour devotional session. If you do, that's awesome and that's great. But for those of us that maybe, maybe that, that discipline is not at work in our lives yet, here's, here's where we can start. Just start with one verse. That when you wake up in the morning before your feet hit the ground, find one verse that you can quote that sets your mind on him, that you can start your day thinking of God's faithfulness and thanking him for his goodness and rejoicing in his mercy and in his grace. God, help me to be transformed into your image today. Lord, help me to love you more today than I did yesterday. Help me to look like you more today than I did yesterday. Maybe it's just, this is the day that the Lord has made. And no matter what comes, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Find something, some way to set your mind upon him. This morning I woke up and there was a song stuck in my head and I haven't heard this song probably in years. I don't know where this song came from. It's a Steve Miller band song. I woke up Sunday morning and I woke up on a Sunday morning singing Abra, Abra, Kadabra. Do, 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 do. You guys know that song? Some of you guys know that song? I haven't heard that song in forever. I don't know why. I'm in the shower. Abra, Abra. I'm driving to church. Abra. Like this, this song. The whole way, I'm like, God, why is this song in my head? And so I just started changing some of the lyrics and turned it into a worship song and said, all right, well, then we're just going to roll with it. Me and Steve Miller on our way to church. We're setting our minds on God. But, but we have to start every day. Start every day with him. Look at what the Bible says. David in, in the Psalms says this. He says, you are my God and I will seek you early. Early in the morning, I will seek you. Isaiah, in the night I search for you and in the morning, I earnestly seek you. Well, Pastor John, I'm not a morning person. Listen, neither am I. Neither am I, amen. <laughs> neither am I by nature. But you know what happens? If this becomes important to us, we will train ourselves to be. 
If this, if this is important, if it's important enough to you, you'll make yourself do it. Yeah. It'll, it'll become habit. It'll become routine. And then before you know it, you'll wake up without an alarm clock. And you'll wake up and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for another day that I get to be in relationship with you. Thank you for another day that I get to, to spend with you. So the first thing that we have to do if we're going to refocus is start every day with him. The second thing that we have to do if we're going to refocus is to set goals and develop a plan. Set goals and develop a plan. See, some of us have the goal thing figured out. We set goals. Some of us are still not to that point. If you don't have goals for 2021, how will you know that 2021 was a success? You'll get to the end of the year and you'll look back and you will be able to say some good things happened and some not so good things happened. But overall, it was just another year. We all end up somewhere in life, but very few people end up somewhere on purpose. The only way to end up somewhere on purpose is to have goals. What are, what are your goals? Every year I set personal goals in, in my life. Here's what I want to, to accomplish, to achieve. Here's what I want my year to look like. I set spiritual goals. I set goals for my marriage. I set goals with my kids. I set goals for my finances. Everything that, that I do, every area of my life, I want goals. Why? Because I don't want to just end up somewhere. I end up somewhere on purpose. But some of us, we set goals. We just don't develop plans. If you have a goal without a plan, that's not going to lead to anything. You have a wish at that point. In Joshua chapter five, the, the children of Israel have crossed into the promised land. And as they crossed into the promised land, the first city that they find is Jericho. It's tall, it's fortified, the, the walls are thick. And Joshua is there with his commanders trying to figure out what to do. The angel of the, the Lord appears to Joshua and look what happens. Joshua falls to his face. He says, I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? What's he saying? He's saying, God, what's your plan? God, I can make all the plans that I want. God, there's a goal that I have, which is to, to take the city. You've called me to, to lead the people into the promised land. But God, I need a plan. What does that look like? What do you want me to do? When's the last time you prayed that? God, what is your plan in this area of my life for this year? Even if you have goals written down, do you have a roadmap on how to get there? Because a goal without a plan is just a wish. This guy said that. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name, but this guy, this French guy said, a goal without a plan is just a wish. We got a bunch of people wishing. We got a bunch of people wishing that 2021 is better than 2020. Wishing that my marriage makes it through. Wishing that my kids would come home. Wishing that my finances would improve, wishing for all of these things. Why? Because in our mind, we know what we want, but we haven't asked God for his plan and how to get there. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16 that we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure. Listen, you may be pure in your own eyes. How many of us are pure in our own eyes? Absolutely, all of us. But the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and then, and then your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to him. It's what he said to Joshua in Joshua chapter one. Meditate upon this book of the law. Do not depart from it. Be careful to obey all the instructions that I gave to Moses. And then you will be prosperous and successful. 
We want the prosper. We want the success. But we don't want the discipline of doing and looking to God to provide the answer. We need to, to set goals and we need to develop plans. The third thing that we need to do if we're going to refocus this year, prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. And now I sound like my dad. Because I remember as a young man growing up in his, every, prioritize, prioritize. What are your priorities, son? What's most important to you? And he, he instilled that in me. In Haggai chapter one, we see the, the Israelites get their priorities totally out of whack and God comes to them and he says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? God comes to them and he says, listen, you've taken care of yourself, but you've forgotten about me. You've taken care of your house, but you've forgotten about my house. Your priorities are out of order. You don't know what my priorities are? Here's my priorities. My priorities in my life, number one is God. God is first. There is nothing above him. If there is anything above God in your life, do you know what that's called? It's called an idol. Thou shalt not make any idols. Well, I don't have any golden statues in my home. No, but are there things in your life that are taking God's place? God has to be number one. Number two is my wife. Number three, my children and my family. You say, Pastor John, aren't those the same? No, they're not. They're not. My wife comes before my kids. If you are married with children, your spouse comes before your kids. The reason some marriages are struggling is because we prioritize our kids above our spouse. And besides, if anything happens to my kids, me and my spouse can just make another one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My spouse, my wife is number two. My family, my kids, those close relationships, those people that I'm intimate with, those, those come next. Maybe you're not married. Okay, then, then take the spouse out of there, your immediate family, and then your friendships, your, your iron sharpeners, your armor bearers, those people that you're, you're doing life with and, and walking through life with. What are, what are those things? And then comes my health, my physical health, my my mental health, and part of that mental health, of course, is sitting in a tree stand once a week because that's, that, that has to be there. Right, Pastor Les? That has to be there. No, I'm just kidding. But my health and then my ministry. I'm not in full-time ministry. Okay, well, maybe that's your career. Maybe that's your job. You say, Pastor John, your ministry is last? Absolutely. Because if I don't have my health, I don't have my ministry. And if I'm not... Raising my family right, you don't want me to minister to yours. And if I'm not faithful to my wife, how can I be faithful to the bride of Christ? And if God's not number one, I have nothing to give you anyway. And so when I, when I look at the priorities of my life, these are the things that are most important to me. Once I understand what's most important to me, now I know what I can say yes to. But in saying yes to those things, it also tells me what I have to say no to. No, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. Why? Because I haven't given God any time yet. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go golfing. My, my wife likes to tell the story that after our third kid was born, that I dropped her off at home with the baby and immediately went hunting. And Chris laughs because she... <laughs> 
I'm not saying that Pastor Les has ever done that. Probably not. He's a better man than I am. But, but she tells the story that I dropped her off right from the hospital, went inside, put my camo on, and went hunting. Listen, I have learned a lot. <laughs> through the Holy Spirit and through the threat of my wife. I have learned, I've learned, I've learned that, that in order to say yes to these things that I have to say no to other things, the problem is we get these out of order. The problem is we start putting things above God. The problem is we start putting extracurricular activities ahead of our family. The problem is we start putting our career in, in the number two slot. We even put our career in the number one slot. God, I, I might have time for you if I get off work in time. Maybe I might be able to take you out on a date this week if things at work just happen to work out right. See, when it comes to the priorities of our lives, this is so important because this orders everything, this orders everything that we do. There's an illustration, and, and maybe you've seen it, but there's this illustration that says that, that if this jar represents your life, it's empty, it's it's full of possibility. You can fill it with whatever you want. It can be anything that you want it to be, but it's limited because there's only so much space in it. Your life, your day, your week is limited because there is only so much time that you have to fill your life with. And if we're not careful, then the non-important things will take up all of the room, leaving out the most important things. And so the reason our priorities are so important is because if I know that this is my life and this is the most, this, this is God, this is the most important thing. I'm not saying baseball is God, but I'm saying that this is symbolic of God in my life. This is the most important thing. And if, if I have my life, I'm gonna put God first. God, before I do anything else, I want you to have a preeminent place in my life because you and you alone are preeminent. You and you alone are number one. After God is there, now I can look at filling my life with some of these other things. I got my spouse, I got some kids, and one of these kids doesn't want to listen and obey. And so, so now I have, I have God, I have my wife, I have my family, I have those close relationships. And, and at this point, I, I'm looking kind of full. Like, I don't know if I have much time for anything else. But then we have, we have work, we have our health. We've got these other things that we need to, to give time to. But we've got God. We've got the most important things. So now I have time for other things. And yeah, I can go to that meeting at work and I can, I can do these things. And yes, I'd love to go hunting and I'd love to go golfing. Why? Because, because I've taken care of the most important things. Then we have the really insignificant stuff. But this is the stuff that bombards us every single day. All the posts on social media. And Pastor John, the election. And Pastor John, Black Lives Matter. And Pastor John, all of these, all of these things. And Pastor John, you're not wearing a mask. Why are you not wearing a mask? And we have all of these concerns and all of these distractions and all of these attempts to, to get our attention. But if I've put God first and I've surrounded that with my family and I've taken care of the things that were most important to me, now in my life, I have time to devote to all of those secondary things. I can fill my life now with, with all this other stuff. You know the problem that we run into is the problem that we run into is we, we do it backwards. And we get on social media, and we watch the news, 
CNN said this. Fox News said this. It's not about either of them. It's Newsmax. <laughs> now that that's all there, now I got to go to work. And I have meetings to go to and I have things to sell and I have things to do and there's calendar requests and all of these things that I have to do. Then our spouse says, hey, what about me? God says, hey, what about, what about me? Where's the space for me? And so we, we go through life like this, trying to, trying to protect all the things that we have in our lives. And then, you know, what happens 2020 comes along and COVID bumps us. And there goes your walk with God. There goes your marriage. There goes your kids. There, there go all of these things. Why? Because I've spent so much time making sure that everything at work was taken care of. Making sure that everyone knew what to do and everything was done and everything was, was done right. Just the way that I like. I spent so much time looking at all the distractions that this world has to offer. That rather than my life looking like this, a beautiful mosaic of colors and priorities and things and everything is there. Why? Because I made sure to keep what was most important, most important. Or we have this and we have no room for any of the things that really even matter. Your priorities are important. Stephen Covey says it, says it this way. He says, the key is not to prioritize your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Don't look at all the things that I have to do and oh, this, because, because I have this many requests today and this many calendar items today. These are the things that are important today. No, wipe that all out and ask instead, what are the things that are most important to me today and give your time to those things instead. Your priorities will order and structure your lives, telling you what to say yes to and what to say no to. How do I refocus? Start every day with him. Set a goal, develop a plan. Set your priorities and live by your priorities. And then finally, the last thing is this, ask for help. Ask for help. You can't do it on your own. If Adam needed Eve, Moses needed Joshua, Elijah had Elisha, Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Paul had Barnabas. If peanut butter has jelly and the Lone Ranger needed Tonto, who are you? Who are you to think that you don't need anybody's help? We all need help. Here's, here's what I would encourage you to find. Two types of people that I want you to find. Number one is iron sharpeners. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 27 that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. This is somebody who's going to keep your feet to the fire, who's going to keep you accountable, who you can go to and say, hey, here's what I want my year to look like. Here are the goals that I have. Here's the plan that I have. Here are the priorities that I've laid out in my life. And if you start to see me living contrary to those things, would you just call me on it? Just keep me sharp. And sometimes you're going to be grinding on me and you're going to be annoying me and you're going to be calling me and texting me. And that's okay because that's the only way to be sharpened. And the second type of person I want you to find is an armor bearer. What's an armor bearer? An armor bearer is somebody that will go to battle with you. Somebody that will go to war with you. Somebody that will encourage you. The role of the armor bearer was to, to carry the, the, the weapons and to carry the armor and whatever the king needed in that moment, the armor bearer was there to make sure they had what they needed for the battle. 
we're trying to do battle on our own. And you weren't created to, you weren't called to. Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter four, and if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard this verse, but it says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, if there's two, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Someone who falls alone is in real trouble. There's nobody there to pick them up. We have too many people going through life alone, falling, getting distracted by the cares of the world with nobody there to to encourage them, with nobody there to pick them up, with nobody there to, to, to dust them off and say, hey, it's okay, let's go. Who do, you, who do you have in your life that sharpens you? Who do you have in your life that is in the battle with you? If you don't have anybody, you need to go find somebody. And here's what I will say. Don't be passive about it. Yeah. Like, God, just bring that person into my life. God, bring me a friend. <laughs> Are you being a friend? Some, some of you want God to bring you a friend. He's like, no, because why would I bring one of my kids to be... God, make me friendly so that I might be attractive to other people. Go out there, find them. Look for them. Who, God, who are, who are those people that are sharpening? Who, who are those people that are going into battle with me? I believe, and I, I, I know that 2021 can be your best year ever. 2021 can be your most fruitful year ever. We've gone through a pruning season. But the pruning happens because there is a season of fruitfulness that is coming. Let's not let the pruning be in vain, but let's recognize what's taken place and recognize those areas of our lives where we've maybe gotten distracted and say, God, help me to refocus on you. Okay, how do I do that? Start every day with him. Set a goal, develop a plan. Prioritize your life and live your priorities and find somebody that can help you in that process. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it's, it's, it's alive, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut between joint marrow, soul, spirit. I thank you that, that every word is inspired of you and is useful for teaching us and correcting us and showing us the things that we're doing right and at the same time showing us the things that we're doing wrong. God, as we walk into 2021, we, we seek to refocus. We hear the word of the Lord and we, we, we feel the prompting of the spirit to refocus on you. And Lord, today, I thank you that we see the keys on how to do that in your word. Lord, first and foremost, I pray that you would, you would forgive us for any idols that we've established in our hearts for anything that we've placed above you for, for, for starting our days with lesser things. God, may there be a fresh desire and a fresh hunger for you that every day we wake up, we would set our minds on you, set our hearts on you, set the tone of our day, not on the cares of the world, but on the spiritual things. God, help us to to set goals and to develop plans. God, that we wouldn't just dream alone, but that we would dream with you and we would invite you into that process. God, we don't want to make our own plans because many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Would your purpose be accomplished in our lives this year? God, help us to prioritize. May you reveal anything in our lives that are out of order and help us to 
to make those changes and then bring those people along. Bring those Jonathans to David's and the Barnabases to, to the Pauls. And God, God, that as we are friendly and as we are an armor bearer to one, that you would bring the armor bearer for us. And as we are an iron sharpener to one, that you would bring our iron sharpener. Lord, forgive us for trying to do it alone. We know that we need, we need the help of, of the body of Christ and one another. And this morning, if you're here or you're watching online, I wanna give you an opportunity. Maybe, maybe as you, you listen to the message and as the Holy Spirit was speaking to you, maybe you looked at priorities and it's like, well, God's not even in my top 10. Maybe I've, maybe I've never professed faith. Maybe I've never given my heart to Jesus, but today I want to make that stand. I watch these people get baptized and I want what they have. I want to be made new. I want to put on the nature of Christ. I want the old stuff to fall off. If that's you, then I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. The Bible tells us this, that, that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It says that if we would believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, then our names would be written into the book of life. So today I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, you want to, to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I just ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Church, would you help us to pray? Those of you online that need to pray this prayer, pray this prayer wherever you're at. Just say, Jesus, Thank you so much that you gave up your life so that I could find new life in you. And today I declare I've messed up. I've said things and done things. I am a sinner in need of a savior. And today I receive you not only as my savior, but would you be the Lord of my life? Would you lead me and guide me? Not in my own path, but in your path, not that my name would be made great, but that you would be glorified in my life and through my life in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Lord, whether it's the first time, the hundredth time, it doesn't matter. There are angels rejoicing in heaven, right? The family of God just got a little bit bigger today. We rejoice in that. As we go this week, give us opportunities to live it out. It was opportunities to be salt, to be light, to be reflections of you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, listen, before you dismiss, if you prayed that prayer, our prayer team is down here.